Hey folks, and welcome to another episode of the Leadership Tales podcast. Delighted to be able to share a conversation with a lady who has made a massive, massive impact on our business, Potential Squared. And that lady is Maureen Finn. If I look back to when we really started to shift our focus as a business. It was around the time that we started to work with Akamai with Maureen. She's now gone on to Takeda Pharmaceuticals uh, based out of the U.S., but the the lady herself has not changed, and the impact she's had on myself, the business, and the way we work has not changed. And that's this spirit of being able to, to deep partner with somebody the spirit to be able to say we're willing to fail together, fail forward towards a purpose. And therefore, over the, the years, we've been able to partner towards a journey that has re- seen massive, significant change in our ability to measure the impact of leadership development, um, to be able to see a, a massive difference in the way that we run the academies, work with leaders, um, and we've enjoyed the work. Um, it's been robust, it's been rigorous, and it's been fun. And therefore, you'll get a chance to, to meet that that person today and hear her story about what she's about. And what you'll notice behind this is the, the set of values that that go in there, the, the, the high achievement values, the the integrity values that Maureen holds in there are, are clear in there, and the sense of fun you get in the background from that um, and delighted to be able to share a podcast and this space with you with Maureen Finn. Hey folks and welcome to another episode of the Leadership Tales podcast. Today, delighted, delighted, delighted to be joined by Maureen Finn, old friend, colleague, client, I mean, we go way back, so it's a, a d- delight to share the story. She's part of the book. In fact, she's more than part. She's a, a strong thread throughout the book in terms of our relationship and our partner and the work we've done. So, Maureen, welcome. Thanks, Colin. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to, to digging into your story. And every time we, I hear more parts of your story, I go, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. And whenever we get together, so... I'd love us to just explore, but maybe for the folks listening today, just introduce yourself, Maureen. Just tell us a bit about who you are and a bit of your background, yeah? Sure. Maureen Finn, I am, I am currently with Takeda Pharmaceuticals, and I'm responsible for leader development in the U.S. business unit. And, you know, what we're doing is we're, we're developing leaders at all levels. So we think about not just folks that lead others, but everyone is a leader. And we think about how do we how do we bring out the best in people? How do we make them comfortable being in their own skin and making them be a little uncomfortable to get them there? So, so that's that's really what I'm doing today. I come from a long background of this type of work. I started out. I won't say how long ago, but I started out as a teacher, and so I taught fourth and fifth grade, and um, just loved loved that work. And so you fast forward into your career and you think, gosh, how do I take those skills and transfer them to where I am today many years later? And it was fairly easy because, you know, I was I taught fourth and fifth graders. And sometimes I joke and say teaching adults is is is, is about the same as teaching yeah. fourth and fifth graders. But all kidding aside, it was it was almost seamless to take those skills and transfer them into the world of learning and development in the corporate environment. And that's where I've spent the last. 20 some odd years in the corporate environment doing this kind of work. So, 
So it's been a great journey so far, and I, I just adore the work that I do. I love to see leaders, all different types of leaders, just thrive and grow. So mm. it's a real passion of mine. That's brilliant. I love the education background because, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Ken Robinson who uh, did that amazing TED Talk. And and I think you and I share this is when, you know, he was he was talking about the little girl at the back of the class who's drawing and uh, the teacher comes up and says, so what are you, what are you drawing? And she said, I'm drawing God and said, so, well, nobody knows what God looks like. And so we'll give you a few minutes and they will. I love and, that. And, and, you know, that just love that story about the imagination. And that's part of the work that we've been doing along the way. Your, your yeah. faith is very important to you though. So that, that faith and bringing that into that is, is an important bit of what the work you've done. And Absolutely critical. It is. It, it's, um, my faith is a big part of my life, uh, and I'm not, you know, I I am Catholic. I'm thrilled to be a Catholic. I love my faith. I love what we do. I love other faiths too, but I live my faith, and mm-hmm. it really comes from my parents, who were just, who are, thank thank God, they're still here. Um, the foundation of that faith that has taken me through a lot of different trials and tribulations, and a lot of happy happiness in my life. So. I bring that into my work and the work that I do because, gosh, you know, it's so important to treat people as human beings and remember that. And that faith grounds me because, it's, you know, you say to yourself, what are we all here for, right? What do we, you know, be kind. And I, even in my email signature, you know, part of my email signature is cultivate kindness because it's so easy to stray from that. And if we're just kind to one another and treat people you know, with respect and like how you nece- not necessarily how you necessarily might want to be treated, but how you think others should be treated. Mm. Um, and to me, it's all about respect. Mm. And and the faith is just a common thread for me. And it's just, it's what keeps me going, frankly, in the good, yeah. through the good and the bad. No, it's good. And it, and when we come to that faith, because I'm a big believer in the, the purpose and the spirit behind the leader mm. and working in this. Tell me a bit about because Takeda is a, a Japanese-owned pharma company. You're, we're in the middle of you know a global pandemic, still in that that space, yeah. and and the work and the purpose behind that work is massively important mm-hmm. um, to what you do. So, tell us a bit about Takeda and what they're trying to do and how the the leadership piece fits into that. If you can. Yes, so thank you. Sure. So Takeda, you know, I'm I'm so proud to be part of Takeda. Because Takeda, a lot of companies have values and they say they state their values. Takeda, we truly live our values and we're held accountable to that. And I so respect that. And it's all centered around the patient. And it's all about making patients' lives better and, you know, hopefully saving lives. But everything we do has a patient in the center of it. So when you think about, you know, the work that I do in the leader development space, it's, you know, the leaders that I interface with with and that we're developing may not be patient-facing, but we all know that the work we're doing affects the patient in the long run. So we really try to instill upon our the leaders as we bring them up through the ranks our values. And, you know, part of our value system is we call it PTRB, patient, trust, reputation, and business in that order. And that's really important. When I first joined, I kept hearing in that order. But when you think about what I just said, the patient in the center, patient always comes first. Mm. And I so respect that for the way this company operates. Mm. And it's it's real. Yeah. So it feels good to be part of, you know, uh, you know, when I thought about joining Takeda, um, I thought about the work Takeda does, truly saving lives and making lives, you know, patients' lives better if um if they're living with with diseases. And you know, for me, at this point in my life and my career, 
working with an organization that is based on making lives better feels right. Yeah. And I suppose one of the key questions in here is, you know, to having worked with a couple of uh, farmer organizations, farmer my, myself and my background, there's a piece about how it's one of these global organizations, but it's a Japanese owned and it's, so therefore is a very unique culture um, to, to bring to that um, and respect. So it, it's amazing to hear you tell the stories and the, the patient trust. I love that. And the business, yeah. the business last. Right. Let's talk about um, the the leadership side because we go mm. way back. So we we've do. been we've you know been involved with a number of pieces of work and and we talk about the leaders and and the wider definition of leadership uh, mm-hmm. as well. But tell me a bit about what you're doing currently in Takeda because there's mm. there's an interesting journey about talent and then leaders mm. and then the growth and that journey yes, on there. For but, sure, well, we're closely linked with the talent development side of the house, which is so critical, right? I mean, you can't mm. if you separate the two, it, it, it's not going to be as, as smooth of a process. So, and I think we think about. And when we think about the work we do, we keep the learner, I call it the leader, in the center of all that we do. And the work that we're doing here now is really we're doing, and I'm, again, focused in the U.S. business unit, and we are really kind of forming a baseline for leaders at all levels. Because when I came in, there were there was some great work that had been done. However, we wanted to look at it as how do we have a journey for these leaders? If someone comes in as a new, say, first-line people leader, how do we take them through that journey? And how do we get mm. them with it? They may want to they may want to progress as, as a people leader in their career. They may choose not to. And we're working through different ways of kind of working with them and allowing them to explore different levels of leadership and how they get there. So we're bringing, you know, we have some, some experiences column that potential squared and my, my team, we, we partner very closely with, and we're delivering these experiences that are very impactful. And the, and the, the participants who are involved in them are coming out saying, gosh, I am able to take some of these skills that I'm learning in these workshops. And keep in mind, pandemic world that we're in, these are live virtual, right? So we're not in a classroom, which is working out very well for us. But they're Mm -hmm. taking these skills back to the workplace. And not only am I hearing that from them, I'm hearing that from their leaders, which is Mm -hmm. so critical that other folks are seeing this behavioral change in the workplace. So, you know, we have an experience for frontline leaders. We have an experience for the director-level population. And then we're developing um, different experiences for the VP and above population. We're also looking at emerging leaders. So folks that are at a point in their career where, you know, they think, gosh, someday I want to be a leader of others. And Mm. when someone says that to me, based on my, at this point, vast experience, my first question is why, right? And it's not cynical. It's why is it that you, at this point in your career, want to lead others. And mm-hmm. some folks have, you know, I, you know, I, I thrive in that environment. I love to teach. I love to watch people grow. And others say, I think that's my next step on my career. So mm-hmm. some people think of it as that's my career progression. Others think of it a little deeper in terms of this is where I want my career to go. Yeah. And what I love about that, what you've created there is that people get the chance to explore. Mm. Um, because I'm I'm a big believer because I, it, there's some people who who don't as you say when you ask the question why some of them don't know and actually you know leading people is tough um, you know there's there's a lot of hard conversations to have and particularly during the pandemic it's been a massive lift yeah. for for leaders in there for sure 
And some people are just saying, you know, once I get to that, I realize I don't want to do that. I want to be right. a subject matter expert. And particularly in pharma, you can right. go down that route and be very, very successful in there exactly. as well. Yeah. And we, you know, we want to be the those folks, and again, and together with Potential Squared, we want to be the folks that say to those people that say, you know what, I don't think I want to do that. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Because you have a place in this company. I look at people who are strong individual contributors that whether they're subject matter experts or whatever their role is, they're gold. Mm-hmm. And we have to look at them and really think about what are their needs. Because in many organizations, I don't think um, Takeda is unique here. You know, we have the we have the eighty percent of the population that are kind of over on the side because we're focusing a lot of our energy and our money, frankly, on the people leaders. Yeah. So we're starting to re, not rethink. You know, we're going to keep our focus here, but how mm. do we pull those other folks in because they're so important to the organization and our business objectives. And also, as we delayer and we take you know wider spans of accountability in there, there's people in there who we still need to, and we've called this in the past together, succeeding without authority. So right. getting into that space about yeah. being impactful. I mean, there's a big debate about you know management leadership, but I right. think we've we've always agreed that no matter where you are in an organization, whatever level you're a leader, and absolutely you need to take accountability in there. So and Takeda, and you mentioned you know succeeding without authority, you know, to, we are a highly matrixed organization. I mean, we're, mm. you know, we're 55,000 employees worldwide. Mm. And so you can imagine how, you know, in how the company looks and very, and so folks need to know how and feel good about surviving and leading in a matrix and mm. thriving in a matrix. So a lot of the work we do, whether it's with the, with leaders of others or individual contributors, that it's so critical so folks can navigate, you know, the, the matrix. I always love that piece that, you know, we train the leaders, but we don't train the followers. Yeah. And actually sometimes training the followers allows the leader to have a better ride, but also gets better prepared for the uh, and what we're trying to do in the future. Yeah. I, I wanted to go into a bit of your career and background because not only you were a teacher, but you came into this space from a very different angle, which I, I always like. It's almost, it, sometimes if you get somebody who's been an HR professional, a learning professional all the way through, mm-hmm. there's not a reality or they don't have the business context or they have to mm-hmm. work hard at it. Mm-hmm. So tell mm-hmm. us a bit about your background, how you got into this, because it's it's a, a nice story. Yeah. yeah, so when I left, you know, teaching, of course, I went into, you know, a, a, a corporate environment and, mm-hmm. and I, I wore a lot of hats in this organization that was a startup and we were growing. So I sold, I was, I decided to take on a sales role because to me, um, I had it in my head that I, I wanted to lead others, but I was at that point in my career, in my life, I wasn't sure exactly why I had that in my head. So I had mm. to explore it. So I decided to to, to sell. And so I, I did become, in spite of myself, because I'm not a salesperson, I'm the first mm. to admit it, it's not my skill set, but I was very successful selling their products and services. And so what that did was it put a spotlight on me and for the leadership of the organization to say, okay, let's, let's look at her and what is she capable of? And back, I'll say back then, I won't say when, but back <laughs> then it was like, okay. We're similar ages, more yeah, we're similar ages. Yeah. <laughs> Spotlight on this person, and back then it was like, okay, mm. 
we need to get her into a, a management a management role right back then. Yeah. Right? So, so uh, you know, I had a couple of opportunities early in my career at that organization to, to take on a, I'll call it people leadership role, and I refused. And I knew it could be career limiting, but I, I had very good reasons. Even as young as I was, I had very good reasons. And those reasons were, I need to better understand this company, because if I'm going to take on that responsibility to lead other people, I better understand who we are, how we operate, what makes us tick. And our products and services. So I stayed in sales for a couple of years, and then I I um I, I acquiesced, and um, I I I took on a a a leadership role, and I loved it. I absolutely, positively loved it. I learned a lot. I made a ton of mistakes. Um, I had wonderful mentors along the way, but boy, did I love it. And it was just okay. This this feels right. I can teach. I was teaching people how to sell, um, which brings in my my education experience. And I was also just guiding people. And I just love to mentor. I just love it. I just love to to be able to talk to someone, understand what some of their needs are, what maybe some of their challenges and what is their successes and capitalize on that. So I took that. And then I moved from there after many years. Again, we'll keep that disclosed. Um, I won't disclose that, I should say. I moved into high tech. I was in tech, but I moved into, into a high tech environment. And I went into that organization. I was recruited there uh, to build out their sales enablement function. And that it, it threads from where I was, right? I was sales leadership. You know, I ran a sales organization of 200 people when I was at my former or that other organization where I started. And so these folks said, gosh, she's got that experience. She knows how salespeople pick. She's got, you know, and I developed sales leaders. So I went into this organization. I had some marketing responsibility. I built out a sales enablement function. And we were very successful. And we developed leaders as well, the sales leaders. So we had this massive need in this in my prior organization for developing leaders. And it was in a term that was used was manager capabilities, which that was how they identified the need. And so I was tapped and said, listen, would you come over and would you think about how do we develop our leaders globally? And I jumped at the opportunity and that brought me into the world of HR L&D. And so what we did, and this is where Colin and his team, your team came into the picture, we partnered and we, I did my own needs analysis. I really spent, I spent a good year trying to understand where were we, did we have any form of a baseline in terms of where our people leaders were and what did we have to do? So we had to put a, we had to put a solid multi-year plan together that we could execute against. So my sales experience came in very handy because yeah. I had to sell this to the company because all they were, you know, in their mind, Maureen, go develop the leaders, will you? Okay, sure. But there's more to it than just that. You know, it was that, you know, go train them and everything will be fine. And we all know that that we all have a different mindset now. So we we developed a very comprehensive multi-year strategy together. And, you know, we, we did great work. We really mm-hmm. did, Colin. We, um, you know, we, we, we had, a, we had a lot of challenges, right. And we, yeah. we opened our minds up and this is, this comes to me. Um, I'm, I'm an introvert. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, some folks say, someone said to me, someone laughed at me the other day when I said, well, you know what? I'm an introvert. She thought that was the funniest thing she had ever heard, mm-hmm. but I work hard in the environments that I need to be, you know, to show myself as an extrovert. So being that introvert that I am, I really have to push myself internally to 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 stretch, right? Yeah. To take on different challenges that 
Maybe the folks around me I'm thinking about, and I know I'm going to have to push hard. But, you know, we did that, and we, you know, we got, I got comfortable being uncomfortable with a lot of different scenarios and things that we hadn't tried out. Yeah. But we found great success. I mean, we won, we won a couple of amazing awards, you know, because yeah. when we started this journey, you know, we were thinking, for me, if I'm spending the company's money, I better understand how am I going to measure success and how am I going to know, were we successful spending my company's money? So yeah. together, Potential Squared and I, we come up with a plan of how, you know, we said, we, we know how to do level one. We know how to do those smile sheets. We know how to say, how was the class? Was it great? Wasn't it? What can we do better? Coming out. However, the challenge, again, back then, it was only mm. a few years ago, was that well, be measuring behavioral change. And we called it, we call it level three because it's based on a model. But so how do you measure behavioral change? And so I said to my company within the partnership with Potential Squared, we're going there. Because mm-hmm. if we don't go there, we never will. So we're just going to go there, and we're going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And as we started to figure it out, and we'd network, you know, we'd get the outside-in perspective, companies just were saying, we can't, we can't figure this thing out. It's much too hard. So if companies hadn't gone there yet. But yeah. I said, you know, we're going there, and that's where that being uncomfortable, you get comfortable with the uncomfortable. You know, it's that unknown. How are we going to get there? Very few companies have gone there. But we went there, and we did it successfully, and we won a Brandon Hall Gold Award for that work we did. So, And I love the fact that we focused on the measurement because that correct. is, you know, the return on investment piece is massive now mm-hmm. for, for people. And it's a return on learning, return on investment. Mm-hmm. But I want to come back to this because there was, there's moments of being uncomfortable. And I always remember our relationship, and it's probably the same for you, which was, you, you had emails and you had phone calls between us and we were sort of waiting. We had that refreshingly direct piece coming through. We right. were waiting yeah. for something because we were stretching so hard. We were waiting for things to go wrong in the mm-hmm. nice way, in the positive mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. And a number of things happened that way. But that trust, because there was a trust there. It was, you know, I used to joke, trust me, I'm a doctor's son. But there was a trust piece that we are on a pathway and a journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Absolutely. If you had to look back at one of those times, what, what was the most trying time for you? What was the time when you almost felt, oh, can we do this? Yeah, because we have our moments, don't we? When yeah, we, just... we do have our moments. And I think I think one of them was in my former organization where we were doing this, global company, right? Hmm. And, you know, we really, we kept that global, we thought we kept that global lens on and we said, okay, we're going to be you know, we're going to think about, you know, be culturally aware. And, you know, we were using all the right words, right? Mm-hmm. But we went into the Japanese market, Colin, remember? We went there yeah, and, boy, did, did we fail, right? Yeah. Because we just, as much as we were prepared, mm-hmm. we weren't. Yeah. We weren't prepared for what we faced. And mm-hmm. we thought we had done all the work. We thought we had made the right connections and vetted. And when we got there, we just hadn't. Yeah. And that was hard. That in mm. that it, it, I don't want to say I was gutted because we had so much other good things going on, but it was hard. It was very hard because it really felt like it pulled down all the wonderful work we've been doing and yeah. minimized all the effectiveness we had elsewhere because mm. of this I'll call it a failure. I felt yeah. like it was a failure, right? Mm. And so, you know, to navigate that, to get through that and you know, initially, I, I won't say it's natural, but I, I felt a little defensive, like, oh, my gosh, we did this, we did that, we did, you know, we yeah. really were thoughtful about that approach in that market. Mm. 
Yet it didn't, it just didn't resonate. So that was one of the ones that was, was, it was, it was a hard one. That was a hard one to get through. We got through it, but it wasn't easy. We did. It was it was fascinating the learning on that because you know Michael Landers, our good friend, uh, mm-hmm. talks about cultural car crashes, mm-hmm. and it, it was one of those. It was one of the, and actually even just the making up, and you know uh, due diligence afterwards yeah. was tough. Trust, but it, we, we we had to re-earn their trust. Like we actually knew what we were doing because yeah. we it, it to them we didn't. Yeah. It was uh, it was amazing, yeah. and it's interesting just looking forward that you joined a Japanese culture-based company and worked in there. So yeah. it, it's great that we've we've moved that forward. I wanted just to come into what you're facing at the moment in your leaders because obviously COVID, yeah. you're working in different yeah. challenges in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. What are you doing at the moment to, to to change maybe some of the things you've been thinking about in there? So our leaders, they are at a place, and I feel very comfortable making a general statement right now. Yeah. They're completely overwhelmed. They are yeah. overwhelmed. They're maxed out. They're exhausted. And so we as an organization have paid great attention to our employee base due to COVID. Mm-hmm. And we've done certainly our in, in, in engagement surveys and we've done lots of pulses in every business unit. Really, they double, triple click into some of the pain points that the employees are feeling. So, you know, we as in, in the work that we're doing, very conscious of that. And what we're we're trying to do is, even though these folks are stretched mm. and it's a goal to them right now to have any time, when we get them in that virtual live classroom, we do that that the thoughtful moment in the beginning. Try you know leave whatever's on your mind. Try to leave it at that virtual door, mm. and we bring them into the moment. And it's and and again, kudos to our our colleagues at the potential square and the facilitators are doing that very well. And once you get the minds, I, I call it a lid shift. So you're shifting their, the their lid. lid. Shift a little bit, yeah. And once we do that slight lid shift, they're in, they're in the moment and they leave two hours later going, gosh, this was just an amazing use of my time. And you feel like maybe we're helping the greater good here because we know the overwhelming feeling is I am exhausted. I can't get away from my computer. I'm on, you know, on teams all day. I'm on the, video all day. So, you know, we're very much aware of that. And we're also, what we did was we did, we did a second think on, we first, and and you were involved in this column. We first thought about, we based our experiences on our, our leadership behaviors. Cause I mean, again, it, it, in our leadership behaviors, you know, everything flows into our values. So we, we did like a, a second look at this when we, we really understood the reality of folks' mindsets and said, from a content perspective, Let's make sure we hone the content of not overwhelming them because when they come into this classroom, they are so darn engaged. And I can't filter through whether this is due to they took that moment to breathe, they're in and they're they're sharing and they, they get so much out of that peer-to-peer sharing. It's just wonderful to see. Mm-hmm. So our facilities, we make we make you know real-time calls, say, you know what, we're not going to cover that content because we're not going to say to them, let's stop sharing so we can cover this piece. It's just that's just not how we operate as a mm-hmm. as a partnership. So, you know, we've been very thoughtful about that based on the condition the, the business conditions. And it's not necessarily to cater business conditions, it's it's the conditions that have been created because of this global pandemic. But boy, this company has been so thoughtful about their employees, I can't say enough of how wonderful they've treated us through this. And what I love about that is, you know, one of the things that we're picking up is is when 
COVID hits, the use of the online, the virtual, yeah. we got better scores during the, the virtual than we did face-to-face, mm. -face, which we mm -hmm. couldn't believe. Mm. But there's now this shift where that was very useful for people to engage and we, we found mm. out some, not putting general stereotypes on it, yeah. but, you know, the, the people who are quieter found it use, more easy to engage on the virtual yeah. side. Great. But we're actually finding now that uh, the content that people are doing self-learning, they're finding very little time to do it. So actually Correct. stripping yeah. some of that stuff out. And then I think there's this piece which you're saying now, which is having a conversation, a real conversation. But, I, you know, I loved that somebody once said to me, he said, you can tell a leader that's effective by what they're taking out of their life rather than what they're adding. Yeah. And giving yeah. people more space to talk mm -hmm. in more depth is mm -hmm. what you're talking about there, which I mm -hmm. think is amazing. Yeah. For sure. And and I, our facilitators, and, you know, I'm, I'm in a, many of the sessions, and I'm mm -hmm. always just amazed at the level of engagement. And, and they're just sharing what's working, what's not. And and it's just, honestly, it's, that's where it happens. That is where the magic happens. And you're yeah. right about the, about the content, the online content. They, you're right. They don't, some people love it and they, but I think they're, they're right now an anomaly, but it's there for them if they need it. It's, it's, it's backup. It's a resource. Mm -hmm. But I still, to your point that you just made, I think this shift to right now virtual environment really has been a gift to those I'll just, I'll generalize introverted community mm. where they can have a voice in these types of sessions. Because first of all, we make them very comfortable saying, if you're comfortable sharing, share, share, you come off mic, share. If you're not, share in the chat. Mm. Well, that's a dream for a true introvert to be able to share their thinking in chat because they can actually articulate what they're thinking, but not have that slight anxiety of saying something out loud. So it's been a tremendous advantage for some of those folks um, in this environment. Mm. I also just think the use of the actors as well. And, you know, oh, the, yeah. again, I was a, a big doubter of whether we could do the actors on, online. But I, yeah. I think there's something, it's almost that people have got used to watching TV. You know, you've right. got the two actors on the screen. They're mm -hmm. able to reality TV interact with conversations. So that, mm -hmm. that has been a powerful piece. But the conversation that people are having to have now virtually is very different. It's uh, the you know when you used to be able to sit over a coffee or sit right. in the same building. It's it's right. very different. so they very different, very very different. Um, but just to, to kind of go back to your point of the actors, that's something that these folks, at least in this organization, have never experienced. So mm. that was you know another, another you know something I had to sell internally that we're going to use professional actors, and you know when people hear that, they're thinking, what are you going to do? Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what in God's name are you doing? But we use it in coaching and other things, and we most recently use it. And, and I knew because of our experience that would be a huge hit. But I had a, I had a slight little bit of anxiety over the virtual piece. It's wonderful. It's absolutely it wonderful. Yeah. Um, because you've got this captive audience and you spotlight those two actors playing, you know, doing this real play. So yeah. Yeah. what I also love, and this is a sneak under the under the, the hood, is that the actors can actually be online and listen to some of the content beforehand. Because I think there's something about what we're teaching people and then what they do in the role plays mm -hmm. that they get involved in, which has been really useful. So people have been able to listen. The actors have said that that's incredibly useful. To your point, Colin, we're, we, don't, we don't use, you know, some made-up scenario. We're using scenarios that they're facing in their day-to-day -day work. Again, general, because we've got cross-functional cohorts, but, you know, 
we, 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 I say we Takedaize it, you know, we make it so it's relevant to them in their mm. life at Takeda. It's not just talking about selling tires or some company that does something completely different than what we do. And people appreciate that. Yeah, they can hear the language and they can hear the, the issues sure. and the pain points uh, they got in there. Mm. So I want to come to towards the end of this because mm. I want us to almost it's not the life and the times or the times in the life or whatever the expression is, but it's, it's as if Maureen Finn was, was sitting there and saying, so what are the two, three influences in her career that she would say have been the, the, the game changer, the thing mm-hmm. that has really driven her? Cause you, you have incredibly high standards for yourself. You set Thank them you. high, you expect them of people around you, which is great. Mm-hmm. And I've loved being part of that, but the two to three things that have really made a difference to you, what have they been? So I would say one was a, a couple of mentors that I had along the way that is as tough as it was when I was starting out in my career, we all have our personalities, right? Mm-hmm. And when you're younger, you just, you're authentic. We're all authentic, but you're authentic when you show up in the workplace. And I had one mentor that he saw the value in me and my skills and my background, but he, he gave me a mirror one day and I, and this is not, you know, Folks hear this all the time, but I, he gave me a mirror. I said, what do you, what, what's this for? He said, Maureen, I, what I want you to do, I want you to put it on your monitor. You know, if someone comes into your office and you're interfacing with someone, I want you to kind of look at that mirror, look at your face mm. and see what message you're delivering to the person, whether it's across the table or across the room, get used to that. Mm-hmm. which was so impactful. And I didn't, t- I, I, I was so grateful for that. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't offended because back when I was growing up, you know, my face, the way my, my standing faces, my mouth goes down. I can't, I can't fix that. I, I guess I can, but I'm not going to. Um, <laughs> and growing up, people called me thundercloud. And I'm like, why do you call me that? I, you know, but it's just my natural, right? Yeah. So in the business environment, I don't expect people to know me or understand me or know that I'm not a thundercloud. So that was one. Mm. That was a huge one for me. And another one was, and I I don't know the moment in time, but it's the art of building trust, Mm. right? I don't have volumes of friends, Mm -hmm. but I've, I've got my tribe. I call them my tribe and that's, Mm. it's a small unit and, and that's kind of who I am. Mm. So I'm one to, to your point, I think it might be about standards, but it's more, it, it has to do with my standards my personality, introversion, and then me needing to trust. Yeah. And when you, you're able to kind of understand why some of your actions come from your need to trust, it's mm. not that I don't trust people, mm. but I need to feel comfortable in, because I'm one that I will, I am, I am loyal to the bone. I will do anything for anyone if, as long as I feel as though, I, mm. I can trust them. So I think, I don't know, Colin, when I learned that in my career, mm-hmm. but once that hit, you know, I realized that this, that I can use, not use this, but leverage this to my advantage in this business environment. So you, you, you learn how to get to know people at a different level, understand who they are, know that maybe you can build great trust. Maybe it won't be a high level and that's okay too. That's all right. Sure. Um, but for me, these high standards that I, that's again, who I am. I set the highest standards for myself, but you know, folks that I feel as though I, I can bring into my cone of trust. I, I, I set those standards to them as well. And I think, you know, and that was, you know, when you build a team too, you build it around that. And what, for me, once you have that, you can do anything, absolutely anything. And that's what we, 
you and I and your team were able to build. I trust you and your team to do the right thing, to act responsibly. You always had my back in, in the environment because we all were after the same goal and we kept each other honest. Yeah. So, so again, it was like the mirror and then that, that aha moment when this trust, this is a real thing for me. I didn't know what it was and why I, you know, but that's what it is for me. So, And I would add one thing on there because what I, I've seen for you always and particularly in your former organization was your ability to build trust with the business mm. from your learning, you know, the, your ability to walk along the corridor and see people mm. or people come to your office and mm. talk to you. Yeah. And you looked at the Indian team and how you developed yeah. that trust. And I, I think there's something about putting yourself yeah. in the shoes of others that you yeah. do beautifully. Uh, yeah. In there. yeah. And that was, you know, one, one more short story is, you know, mm. you, you mentioned my Indian team who I absolutely adored mm. and, but talk about building trust with that culture. Unless you, unless you really truly and make that effort to build the trust, you you won't get true loyalty or true mutual trust. And and I'll never forget when I I was asked to build this team and then take on a team. And you know I met them on video and here I am. And they were like, "Who is this crazy blonde woman?" <laughs> because you know I spoke very quickly. And, and I needed to make connections at a deeper level. I was doing nothing intentional, but being who I looked at, you know, I asked myself. So the, the, the business was very, very um, generous in giving me some private tutoring on the Indian culture. And yeah. all, that's all I needed. That's all I needed. Aha, yeah. fine. That, and, and it just, I just took my genuine personality and applied it. And it was magical. And what, what an amazing team I had. They were yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Phenomenal. It also yeah. helped that you used to love getting up early, which was a bit like me. Yep. So you were able to do the calls that, that early yep. in the morning. Yep. And I, I, I love the mirror a bit too, because, yeah. you know, being bright and breezy at whatever it is, 5 36 o'clock in the morning mm. when you're, you're on is, yeah. is an important yeah. bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always get the bit that I look angry, but I'm actually thinking. So I've worked yeah. out that when I'm right. thinking, I look angry. And it's just, yeah. people yeah. are going, You okay? You okay? Yeah, and I'm right. like, Yeah, I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah, well, but they brain. don't know that. Yeah, brain capacity is limited, so I've got to really yeah. work harder, which is why I'm scrunching. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or if we could talk for days and days around our relationship and uh, how it has been superb to work with you. It, the the prizes, the awards, and everything else are one thing, but actually they they come on some hard work that's uh, yes. been a joy to be part of with uh, with you. Likewise, um, it's, been, yeah. it's been a great journey so far, it's, and we keep on going. So. Exactly. Here's to yeah. part two of the podcast when we talk about how we come out of this pandemic and how we move yeah. forward. So, yeah. so we're looking forward to seeing the results of what we're doing in Decatur and seeing how we're progressing that. That'll be the next phase. So we'll book It that. will. It will. And it will show itself. So I, I look forward to that as well. Maureen, thank you again. Thanks, Colin. Thanks so much. Well, that was Maureen Finn. And what can I say? Whenever you meet somebody, work with somebody who has a strength, character, value set that that matches yours and you want to work with, then it's a delight to hear their story. And we will continue to work together, I'm sure, for many years to come. And what I will look forward to on that is exactly what you heard today, that drive, that change that she wants to make in whatever she does. And we're just delighted that it's in a space which is around leadership, management, and employee development uh, in the work that she does at Takeda now. So 
I will look forward to welcoming you back for other stories of other remarkable people. And thank you for joining me on the Leadership Tales podcast. 